This is day 11 of our daily Bible reading. We will be reading Genesis chapters 41 through 44 and Psalm chapter 11. Lord Heavenly Father, as we enter into your presence today, we are thankful for the life that you've given us. We are so loved by you as your children. Sometimes it's easy to forget that in this world full of anger and hatred and distractions, with everything pitting itself against us. But Lord, help us to remember today that our lives are precious in your sight, that you have given us value, you've given us a purpose, and you have a glorious future for us. Help us to recognize the love that you have for us, a love so deep that we humanly cannot understand it, but yet deep enough for us to understand that you gave the greatest price, your son, on the cross because you love us. Please allow this to penetrate our souls today, that we may understand it with its breadth and its depth. Please bless the reading of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. And lo, from the Nile there came seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt, and they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Now in the morning his spirit was troubled, so he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with his servants and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. We had a dream on the same night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, and we related them to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream. And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me in my office, but he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it, 
and I have heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Pharaoh spoke to Joseph. In my dream, behold, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, and behold, seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Lo, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such as I had never seen for ugliness in all the land of Egypt. And the lean and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. Yet when they had devoured them, it could not be detected that they had devoured them, for they were just as ugly as before. Then I awoke. I saw also in my dream, and behold, seven ears, full and good, came up on a single stalk, and lo, seven ears, withered, thin, and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them, and the thin ears swallowed the seven good ears. Then I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt, and after them seven years of famine will come, and all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. Now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God, and God will quickly bring it about. Now let Pharaoh look for a man, discerning and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land, and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming, and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority, and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not perish during the famine. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. 
you shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put the gold necklace around his neck. He had him ride in his second chariot and they proclaimed before him, Bow the knee. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh named Joseph Zaphonath paneah and he gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, as a wife. And Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. Now Joseph was thirty years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly. So he gathered all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and placed the food in the cities. He placed in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. Thus Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. Now before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for, he said, God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. He named the second Ephraim, for, he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. When the seven years of plenty which had been in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said, then there was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, you shall do. When the famine was spread over all the face of the earth, that Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. The people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the earth. Now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, and Jacob said to his sons, Why are you staring at one another? He said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place, so that we may live and not die. Then ten brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, 
for he said, I am afraid that harm may befall him. So the sons of Israel came to buy grain among those who were coming, for the famine was in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the ruler over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he disguised himself to them and spoke to them harshly. And he said to them, Where have you come from? And they said, From the land of Canaan, to buy food. But Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had about them, and said to them, You are spies. You have come to look at the undefended parts of this land. Then they said to him, No, my lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. Yet he said to them, No, but you have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. But they said, Your servants are twelve brothers in all, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, The youngest is with our father today, and one is no longer alive. Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you will be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you, that he may get your brother, while you remain confined, that your words may be tested whether there is truth in you. But if not, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them all together in a prison for three days. Now Joseph said to them on the third day, Do this and live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined in your prison. But as for the rest of you, go. Carry grain for the famine of your households, and bring your youngest brother to me, so your words may be verified, and you will not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, Truly, we are guilty concerning our brother, because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. Reuben answered them, saying, Did I not tell you, do not sin against the boy, and you would not listen? Now comes the reckoning for his blood. They did not know, however, that Joseph understood, for there was an interpreter between them. He went away from them and wept. But when he returned to them and spoke to them, he took Simeon from them, and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, and to restore every man's money in his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. And thus it was done for them. So they loaded their donkeys with their grain, and departed from there. 
As one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money. And behold, it was in the mouth of his sack. Then he said to his brothers, My money has been returned, and behold, it is even in my sack. And their hearts sank, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? When they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man, the lord of the land, spoke harshly with us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, We are honest men, we are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no longer alive, and the youngest is with our father today in the land of Canaan. The man, the lord of the land, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me, and take grain for the famine of your households, and go. But bring your youngest brother to me, that I may know that you are not spies, but honest men. I will give your brother to you, and you may trade in the land. Now it came about as they were emptying their sacks, that, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were dismayed. Their father Jacob said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. And you would take Benjamin. All these things are against me. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, You may put my two sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my care, and I will return him to you. But Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he alone is left. If harm should befall him on the journey you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. Now the famine was severe in the land. So it came about when they had finished eating the grain which they had bought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back, buy us a little food. Judah spoke to him, however, saying, The man solemnly warned us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you do not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You will not see my face unless your brother is with you. Then Israel said, Why did you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you still had another brother? But they said, the man questioned particularly about us and our relatives, saying, Is your father still alive? Have you another brother? So we answered his questions. Could we possibly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? Judah said to his father Israel, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die. We, as well as you, and our little ones. I myself will be surety for him. 
you may hold me responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame before you forever. For if we had not delayed, surely by now we could have returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and carry down to the man as a present a little balm and a little honey, aromatic gum and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and arise. Return to the man, and may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man, so that he will release to you your other brother and Benjamin. But as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So the men took this present, and they took double the money in their hand and Benjamin. Then they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his house steward, Bring the men into the house, and slay an animal, and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. So the man did as Joseph said, and brought the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were afraid, because they were brought to Joseph's house, and they said, It is because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time that we were being brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for slaves with our donkeys. So they came near to Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, we indeed came down the first time to buy food, And it came about that when we came to the lodging place, that we opened our sacks, and behold, each man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full. So we have brought it back in our hand. We have also brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sack. He said, Be at ease. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. Then the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water. They washed their feet and gave their donkeys fodder. So they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon. For they had heard that they were to eat a meal there. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present, which was in their hand, and bowed to the ground before him. Then he asked them about their welfare, and said, Is your old father well, of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. They bowed down in homage. As he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, 
his mother's son. He said, Is this your youngest brother, of whom you spoke to me? And he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph hurried out, for he was deeply stirred over his brother, and he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and he controlled himself, and said, Serve the meal. So they served him by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with them by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is loathsome to the Egyptians. Now they were seated before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in astonishment. He took portions to them from his own table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Then he commanded his house steward, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, and his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph had told him. As soon as it was light, the men were sent away, they with their donkeys. They had just gone out of the city and were not far off, when Joseph said to his house steward, Up, follow the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks, and which he indeed uses for divination? You have done wrong in doing this. So he overtook them, and spoke these words to them. They said to him, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks we have brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die, for we also will be my Lord's slaves. So he said, Now let it be also according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave, and the rest of you shall be innocent. Then they hurried, each man lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. He searched, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and when each man loaded his donkey, they returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there, and they fell to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this deed that you have done? Do you not know that such a man as I can indeed practice divination? So Judah said, What can we say to my Lord? What can we speak? And how can we justify ourselves? 
God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession the cup has been found. But he said, Far be it from me to do this. The man in whose possession the cup has been found, he shall be my slave. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Then Judah approached him and said, O my Lord, may your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ears, and do not be angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have you a father or a brother? We said to my Lord, We have an old father and a little child of his old age. Now his brother is dead, so he alone is left of his mother, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. But we said to my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. You said to your servants, however, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. Thus it came about, when we went up to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. Our father said, Go back, buy us a little food. But we said, We cannot go down. If our youngest brother is with us, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our younger brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons, and the one went out from me. And I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm befalls him, you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, when he sees that the lad is not with us, he will die. Thus your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then let me bear the blame before my father forever. Now therefore, please, let your servant remain, instead of the lad, a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father, if the lad is not with me, for fear that I see the evil that would overtake my father? Psalm chapter 11 For the Choir Director A Psalm of David in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, Flee as a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes beheld, his eyelids test the sons of men. 
The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked, and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain snares. Fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. Okay, chapter 41 is a very famous portion of scripture that you have likely heard either as a child or if you have spent any length of time in church. Not only is this going to confirm the dreams that Joseph himself had when he was younger, but it also confirms the righteousness of God and his mercy with Joseph. He has given Joseph a magnificent ability to be able to understand dreams. Joseph is very humble in this regard because he does not take any credit for himself. He gives God all the glory. He says it very plainly to Pharaoh. It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Joseph has the right mindset. He has humbled himself and he understands that his gifts, his abilities, are all an act of grace. It is undeserved favor that God has shown him, just like he shows us. And so we cannot have an air of pride and arrogance among us, because everything that we have, everything that we have been, everything that God is doing is all him. Everything that we are is because he allowed us to be this way. You did not reach this point in your life without God allowing it to happen. Don't ever forget that, and don't ever think it's because you made yourself. That is not how it works. You have no control over your own destiny. God is in control of your destiny. Whether you are cooperating or not, he will lead you down the road that he wants you to go. So the dreams that Pharaoh had were basically the same dream, just twice. Two different illustrations of the same issue. There were going to be seven healthy years in Egypt where there's going to be a surplus, an excess of resources. And Joseph wisely suggests to save up because after those seven years of plenty, there will be seven years of famine and it will be a severe famine like the world has not seen. And so naturally, they see how gifted Joseph is and how wise he is. Again, not his own doing, God's doing. But regardless, they see that he is capable of making these good decisions. So Pharaoh appoints him as the governor of Egypt. Only the Pharaoh is higher than him. He is second in command of the entire nation of Egypt. It says that he is 30 years old when this happened. And so a lot has happened in Joseph's life in a matter of 13 years. When we first meet Joseph as a young man, it says that he is 17. And that is when he had the multicolored coat, and he was telling his brothers that he had these dreams, and they hated him for it. And it says that he spent two years in prison after the issue with Potiphar's wife. So it's safe to say that about 10 years of time passed from when he was purchased as a slave to when he entered Egypt 
and served in Potiphar's household. Sounds like he did that for a while. But now here he is, 30 years old, and he is vice president. He is the leader of all of Egypt. Now what's interesting to note here is that after he was given a wife and he started having kids with this woman, he did not give them Egyptian names. He never forgot his heritage. And he never saw himself as an Egyptian. This is important. He never forgot his roots. He never forgot his heritage. And there is a deep spiritual truth in that. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Joseph understood that. He knew that this is where he had to be because God put him there. But a hint into his mindset is in the name of Ephraim. He named Ephraim because God has made him fruitful in the land of my affliction. Why would you call your homeland the land of your affliction? He wouldn't, because he doesn't consider Egypt his homeland. He doesn't consider himself an Egyptian. Even though he is governor over all of Egypt, he still considers himself a Hebrew, and he considers himself an inheritor of God's promises. That's important to recognize. I hope we can be the same way. When we look at allegiances, we look at where we are on the face of this earth, the opposition that's around us. Don't forget where you belong. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a holy priesthood. That is who you really are. Do not forget where you really belong. And that should change our perspective a little bit on how we deal with people. And regardless of wherever we go on the face of this planet, it's always going to be that way. But don't forget who you are in the Lord. Do not allow the world to tell you anything different. You belong to God. You are a child of God. You belong to him, and he will keep you. Do not abandon him. So when we get to chapter 42, we show Jacob sending his sons to Egypt, minus Benjamin, and we start to see those old dreams of Joseph unfold before his eyes, and he recognizes that. Now, it makes you wonder why Joseph did what he did. Was he trying to get revenge on them, or was he trying to do something else? Maybe part of what he was feeling was if they were okay with throwing his life away in the pit and selling him to Ishmaelites, what's to say that they didn't do the same thing to Benjamin? So while they're defending themselves, saying that they had a brother and he's gone, which he, they don't even recognize he's standing right in front of them, they say they have another, younger brother. And Joseph doesn't believe that they are being completely honest. He's using the accusation of a spy to get what he wants from them, but ultimately what he's wanting to see is Benjamin in front of him, not only to verify that he's actually still alive, but also you see God working in bringing back their old sins to the surface. God is again a God of justice. In his timing, he will exact what he needs to exact, and this is the time that he does that. What Joseph does is he gives them the food they asked for, and then he refunds their money. And they freaked out. They thought that there was a big mistake. 
And so they were afraid to approach Joseph again because they were going to be blamed as thieves or something. In addition, he directly told them, don't you bother coming back until you bring your younger brother. And Jacob did not want to do it. But when it came down to them running out of food and things were getting desperate for them, then Jacob's like, well, all right, go ahead and do it. But just know this, if he doesn't make it back, then I am going to die. His soul is bound to mine. If something happens to Benjamin, I'm dead. So they prepare a little gift to appease this governor, and Judah is going to stake his life on Benjamin's. He will gladly exchange himself to protect Benjamin. There's something very beautiful in this theologically as well. Because consider the line of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes from the line of Judah. And this is an illustration of the kind of sacrifice that Jesus is going to give to us. A foreshadowing, if you will. Judah surrendered his life for the sake of Benjamin. It was willing to sacrifice himself so that Benjamin would be saved. Our Lord, the Christ, did the same thing for us. He came and he died and rose again for our sins. He sacrificed himself so that we may live. A beautiful illustration of Christ here in the book of Genesis. So they go back to Egypt with Benjamin. They eat in his house. Joseph is overwhelmed with emotion. He has to step out for a minute and go cry because he's so overwhelmed to see Benjamin safe and sound. And then he holds a feast at his house. And at first they were concerned, and then they also got even more concerned when they saw that they were seated in age order. And they were thinking, how in the world would he know this? But through this whole ordeal, they never recognized him as Joseph. And it's not that hard to imagine why. Not only would they never expect their brother to be alive at this point, but that he would be the governor of Egypt. He wouldn't be wearing Egyptian clothing. They likely wore some kind of makeup or wig. He had an interpreter with him. So no, of course they didn't recognize him. Besides, it's been almost 15 years since they last saw him, and a lot has happened since then. So no, it never occurs to them that this is actually Joseph, until he reveals himself next time. So then Joseph does another thing to them. He gives them their food again, puts their money back in their sacks, and then he sneaks in a silver cup, and he intentionally puts it in Benjamin's bag. And we have to understand why Joseph is doing this. He's testing his brothers. He's testing to see if they were being honest about Benjamin being alive. He was testing them to see if they would get resentful when he got five times the amount of food as the other brothers did. And they're also testing to see if they really did change, if they did repent of their old ways and have turned their lives around. And it seems in a lot of ways that they have. So that's why he did all this. And when they return, and after they find the silver cup in Benjamin's bag, they're freaking out again because they promised their dad that they were going to bring Benjamin home safely. 
And now Judah's going to have to step in, and he's going to have to defend his brother, like he said he would. And we see Judah's confession here at the end of chapter 44. His plea to offer his life instead of Benjamin's is such a beautiful illustration of how Jesus Christ actually did it from the line of Judah. And this is Judah we're talking about here. He has made a lot of mistakes in his younger days. We saw a whole chapter about the stuff that he was doing. And praise God that while he did do that, that is not his ultimate legacy. He has a redemptive arc here in the Bible. And not only that, but he becomes the ancestor of the Redeemer himself. God is good. God is so good. So in contrast to our long reading in Genesis, chapter 11 of Psalms was very short. And this is a song of trust with David, showing that he is facing temptation, and in light of that temptation, he expresses his faith in the Lord, who is able to destroy the wicked and to deliver the righteous. We don't know if this is in direct parallel with some of the stories that we've seen in his life, such as when he's fleeing from Saul, for example, but it could be. We don't really know. But it's a very simple psalm to show that regardless of what the world's agenda is and what they are scheming against God's people, God will be victorious in the end. Our trust must be in the Lord for he is the only one who can deliver. He is the only one who is strong enough to beat our opponents. And since we are in a new year, let's keep this in the forefront of our mind as we go about our days. God is with us. God is for us. God will never abandon us. God will deliver us. He will punish the unrighteous. He will cause the wicked to fall into their own traps. Above all, the Lord is righteous, and that will never change. There were a few good candidates for the scripture to memorize today, but I think the most appropriate one to keep in mind is going to be Psalm chapter 11, verse 5. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked, and the one who loves violence his soul hates. And when it comes to violence, violence can manifest itself in many ways. It doesn't have to be physical violence. There is emotional violence or psychological violence. You name it. There are many ways to abuse and to injure someone. And the Lord hates it. That is a very strong word that we overuse today. When God says he hates something, That is not something to take lightly. That is in direct opposition to his character. It is an abomination to him. It disgusts him. People who love violence are against God, and he is against them. And just like Joseph was testing his brothers, God is testing us, whether or not we are righteous or we are wicked. Now, we as Christians are capable of great wickedness, even though we're saved. Don't ever forget that. Just because the Holy Spirit is within you doesn't mean 
that you are not capable of great evil. However, we are no longer in the sight of God called wicked. We are righteous. But it's not because of anything we did. It's because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been added to us. And praise God for his wonderful gift of having the Holy Spirit to live with us. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.